Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, and thank you for joining us on this Saturday edition of the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show. I'm Naima Latif, and we're going to be joining Jana live from London in the UK, and we're talking about success strategies with Jana today as we take a look at black-owned businesses and how we can encourage them to take advantage of this buying season, and how can we encourage more African-American and African-European and African businesses across the diaspora to get involved in the industries where we spend money. We'll talk about how so many hair care companies are owned by Asians, and yet these are the businesses that we patronize. So, Join us today. Call in 515-605-9325. If you're out of the U.S., dial 001-515-605-9325. And join us today for Success Strategies with Jana promoting black businesses for holiday shopping. Sit right there and join us as we bring you live from the United Kingdom, live from London, our host, Jana. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing, share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif, executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, 
Bonjour in Spain. Hola in Italy. Ciao in Egypt. Athen wasalan in Ghana. Aquaba in Nigeria. Peleo in South Africa. Saobona in Senegal. Nangadef in Kenya. Jambo in Israel. Shalom in Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia. Assalamu alaikum. Greetings and may peace be upon you all. The Female Solution Global Radio TV Show invites you to an invigorating conversation with our team of hosts Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Start your week with Monday Morning Mindfulness with Zelda Speaks. Tuesdays, Self-Cell Care with Jody Susan. Wednesdays, Repairing Broken Families with Naima Latif and co-host Kareem Hamid. Thursdays, Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And Fridays, Health and Well-Being with Viata. Saturdays, tune in 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time. First Saturday, Success Strategies with Jana. Second Saturday, Wendy Williams Esquire on Relationships. Third Saturday, Move Around with Deborah. And fourth Saturday, Wisdom with Mama D. Join us Sundays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Time for Soul Purpose Healing with Beata. Call in and comment 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to the host and be a part of the solution. And we are back here at Success Strategies with Jana and Jana will be joining us live from London along with some of the businesses that you need to know about. Now, as we shop, we want to make sure that we select those businesses that deserve our patronage. You can shop online and order products from all over the world because business is global. So, Before we bring in our host live from London, let us introduce you to someone you should know who has been making it possible for so many businesses across the country to reach the marketplace through theblackmall.com. So let us bring on our guests and some more exciting business people. First, let's welcome to our show my dear sister, Cassiopeia Uhuru, Grand Rising. Grand Rising, Sister Naima, how you doing today? Oh, fantastic, fantastic, yes. I hear you've got a little helper there, uh, uh, entrepreneur oh, in the making. Always. Always. <laughs> yes. Oh, Absolutely, yes. And, you know, many people who are not as well-versed with Internet uh, shopping or even building websites, I'm sure they're grateful. And we're going to also give our viewers and listeners a chance to go on the site and maybe look at some products that they like to order or find out more about some of the business people that are part of your network. So before we bring in the next guest, a businesswoman you should know, tell us about theblackmall.com and how you got started 
what was your motivation for building a network of black-owned businesses? And you're... Well, I got to bring in my VP. Yeah, absolutely. Because right? it's Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, that's mommy time, and mommy does a lot of working. So she does not care about anything. <laughs> She's like, this is all about, this is all well, about Bobby. It's a future um, CEO, so yes. Dot Benford, how are you? I'm 
well. How are you? Excellent, excellent. Good to see you. So tell us about your business, how you got started, what was your motivation, and what are some of the challenges that, that came about as a result of going into that business? Okay. Well, my name is Dr. Esther again of Crafty Chick Jewelry and Accessories, and we offer a diverse product line that features fabric-based jewelry and accessories. Um, our current collection is focused on our fashion frames, our hoops, our headbands, graphic shirts, and brooches. Um, we really want to make sure that you're able to wear your culture on your sleeve, which is why we focus on wax print, uh, mud cloth, kente prints, and everything is ethically sourced through a local vendor here out of Chicago that goes back home every month to bring back the latest and the flyest prints. We started uh, years ago, I think 2013. Um, as a way for me to make sure I had steady employment outside of being let go of these fancy nonprofits that I've always worked for. Um, I started crafting really as a way to deal with my anxiety. I am very type A, so crafting and jewelry making and all these things that require patience and just taking your time to produce really helped me deal with that, and I didn't have to use traditionalized Western medicines. And I still struggle with it a little bit, but jewelry making has always been my home. It's been my solace. So in 2013, I decided to turn it into a business, incorporated in 2017. And next year, we'll be celebrating 14 years of business. And, yes, I still have a full-time job, but I like having both. I like the security of the job that pays my mortgage, and I love the freedom that Crafty Chick allows. We are an online business only with one additional retail location in Chicago. It is not mine. I sell out of a boutique out in Berwyn, Illinois, which is western suburbs. And that's who we are. This is where I am. And I am thankful for this opportunity. Yes. Well, we are certainly thankful that you have joined us today. And we want to encourage all people who have an idea to turn it into a business so that you always have an income source even if you get fired from that job. That's one of those things that if you don't have any other means of income, you will panic if someone says, well, we're downsizing, we have to let you go, and you're thinking, how am I going to survive? Yes. Always have a business, even if you're even, – even if it's – something you do out of your home and do part-time, but always have an income source that you control. Mm-hmm. So what were some of the first challenges when, when you began your, your company? What were some of the first challenges that you had to overcome? I really think just step one, right? Like a lot of business owners like to be told what to do, me included. So it really had to take the time out to read a lot because I wasn't getting that direction. So I read How to Start a Business for Dummies. I'm being very transparent. How to Run a Craft Business, like those how-to books, I really immersed myself in. And then as I grew, Cassie is a long-time friend. Like I've known her for decades at this point, and then she's able to guide me through current level of expertise and that graphic design wheelhouse and really trying to market and come up with a marketing plan. But let me tell you, it is easy to do things for others, and it's hard to do things for yourself. So I needed to start to surround myself with even more um, 
experts in the field of starting a business and entrepreneurship to build the things I needed to make it work for me. Because there is no one-size-fits-all how to start a business plan. You really do have to just study and figure out what works for you. So then I started to attend a lot of different business incubators. I've been in about five, six different programs for small businesses that are minority-owned. And I just take the best out of each of those opportunities, and I apply it to my business with the black mom backing me every step of the way. Mm. Now, that is smart. And, you know, a lot of times we'll go into business knowing nothing and not do the research and spend years in trial and error. Yes. And every error is costly. It costs you money. And you have to be prepared for that cost. Like, that's why, even though I had lost my job in 2013, I got laid off, I still looked for another full-time job to fund the business. This is literally my first year of using solely business funds for the business and not pulling over day job funds to the business. So I had a long-term plan. Like, I am the tortoise and the tortoise and the hare. Mm. <laughs> we should be further along by now. You should, I know I should be, but I need that security. Like mm. My parents are aging. I've had to take care of the generation before them as well. So it's really about thinking about how you're running your business for you. And for me, maintaining steady employment helps me. It afforded me to be able to be a vendor at the um, shops at Essence. Like, I go to Essence Music Festival, now Essence Festival of Culture in New Orleans every year. I am at the Superdome. I am in the convention center. But I wouldn't be able to do that unless I pushed, I invested in myself, right? I don't see my day job as a hindrance. I see it as an investment into the other business. And eventually, one day, the ties will shift. I will be doing less hours on the day job and more hours in Crafty Check. But until then, I'm very secure in what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. But I learned that through the different classes, through the different books, and then surrounding myself with like-minded individuals to figure that out, and it's okay. Mm, that's smart. So, Cassiopeia, what, what do you find is a common thing that you have to – assist businesses with as they look for ways to get known, to reach the public? What are some of the the things that a lot of new business owners may lack that you've had to help them with? Well, that visibility, right? Mm. Um, That's one of the biggest deals, right? When we go into businesses, unfortunately, especially when it comes to black businesses, we are not, um, we don't have business education beforehand, and um, that we're coming from a deficit when we even start our businesses, but we have so much talent, so much skill, and so much passion that we know I've got to put this business out there, Um, but that can only go so far, right? What you have is a great product, what you have is a great idea, what you have is a great skill set, but that is where it stops. When it comes to running an entire business, you have to understand that you're going to need marketing. You have to understand your, your numbers. You need to understand legal. You need to understand your accounting. You need to understand taxes. You need to understand networking. There's so many different pieces. And so on top of actually 
creating your product, on top of actually um, shipping and receiving for your product or service, on top of being the cashier, right, and the, the creator. So what we really have to understand is that what we should get is lots of business knowledge, do lots of research, and then get our business plans together. So we're coming into our businesses running full steam without a real true plan and a guide and some type of true north to help us be able to actually reach our goals. And then we end up getting in a rat race. Mm. And I like to say, and as black people, unfortunately, right, we we spent 500 years in slavery. Let's not yeah. put ourselves, we don't, let's not enslave ourselves in our own businesses. Because yeah. that's, what, that's what ends up happening. And then we also kind of get this, there's this, well, I do it all mentality, oh. and we we give ourselves awards for that, Damn. and that is the worst thing to do because it keeps us in a hustle mode, and we're always living check to check, mm. and then we get disappointed, and then we start doing this, like, we're not looking at ourselves, and we're blaming, well, people aren't just supporting me, and they just don't see what I have, and they just don't believe it. We have an opportunity to transform the whole Yes, you know yeah. that's that's so. the thing. People get stuck being a one man operation sometimes, and not not planning the growth that requires you to build a team. And then, like you say, in hustle mode, constantly trying to do everything and not knowing how to do everything. If you're not an accountant and you're not a tax preparer. You know, if don't do it. If you're not a lawyer, <laughs> don't do it. Get people who know how to do these things. Build a team. Yeah. Now, one yeah. thing that I've seen that a lot of old businesses or businesses that have been around for a long time, I'll say, are struggling with transitioning to, and that is the new forms of payment. Payment is so much easier now. Electronic payments, being able to receive not just credit cards but you know zelle and 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 cash app and you know all the different ways that people can pay you and yet i've i've run into some people that are in business you know some of them like contractors maybe doing construction work or whatever and they're still like no i need to be paid in cash which means you got to go to the bank withdraw the cash i don't don't trust this electronic bank i'm like you know what if you're not making it convenient for people to do business with you, they're not going to. So yeah. speak to that if you would. How do you get people to maybe get over some of their fears of, of technology or whatever the case may be so that they can do the things that would make it easier for their clients to do business with them? Take classes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not, Dot said it herself. She's been in five different cohorts. And the more that you join these type of networks and cohorts, you get a chance to get outside of yourself. You get a chance to get outside of yourself, outside of your own head, and outside of your own ego. (laughs) Right? Let me let this one go to her dad. Hey, dad. Uh She doesn't want to leave. Tell her the way you get people to get over it is tell them resistance is futile. The future is now. You hear Ooh, I like that. So, <laughs> Resistance so is futile. And he said, Resistance is futile, right? Yeah. The future is the now. The future, future is, is now. now. And that's true. So 
getting into some type of cohort or somewhere other networking where there's people like yourself that are furthering their knowledge, that they're mm. getting the information, that they are bettering their businesses and reaching goal points. You're not going to get everything in one big walk, right? Absolutely. But if you start to put yourself in spaces with other people who are constantly developing, it'll start to land, right? A little seed will get planted, and you'll start to see the sprout come, and eventually your stalk will get stronger, you'll grow leaves, and then you'll flower, right? But you have to first put yourself, and there's lots of free spaces to do it when you don't have the budget. Ourselves, right, the Black Mall, every Wednesday, we do a free marketing class live. Wow. So how do people get to that? Do they go to your website? How do people uh, participate in that? Yes, it's on theblackmall.com. Mm. And there's going to be a button that says RSVP for our Wednesday Live. Oh, fantastic. And I'm giving a free marketing tip every single Wednesday because the more you start to get these tips and then you start to maybe practice it, play with it, mm-hmm. and then you get a little, a nice little result, you're like, oh. Then you start to get it, mm. right? I can't teach you calculus before you've learned 2 plus 2. Mm. That makes but sense. You, but you've got to at least go to kindergarten so that you can learn two plus two, and then eventually you'll graduate to first grade. You start doing multiplication, then division, fractions, and keep going from there. And it's like this whole world starts to open up, but it starts with education, yeah. right? Just because you have a product or a service means that you, doesn't mean that you know how to run a business. Ooh. That's a different thing. Ooh. Well, my answer is even simpler as that. I lost about $300 in sales one day, like in 2010. Oh, I was wow. like, oh, I got to figure this out. Like, I can't leave money on the table. And I just researched the credit card readers, and I started taking credit cards. Like, mm. Yeah, I've, I've been to events, uh, say, you know, where they have uh, maybe like, you know, the African Festival, you know, they got this, they've got – a lot of businesses out there, and the ones who have the card readers, they they racking up. The ones who don't, you know, don't have any kind of electronic payment system, still taking cash, it, they tend to not do as well. Cause and let's be clear, a lot of that has nothing to do with not wanting to do it. It has a lot to do with being tracked with your taxes. Like once yeah. you start taking electronic payments, you have to pay the sales tax because the credit card reader companies talk to the feds. You get your, you know, your tax print out at the end of the year, and you should be paying your sales tax. So a lot of this is about sales tax, not about not wanting to move forward. Mm. It is about I do not really have a legal business. I don't want to mess with the government to pay my sales tax, so I will not take electronic payments. And the federal money, they're going to get their money. Like if you're in America, it's the feds. So they're going to get their money. Like even now, if you bring in, X number of dollars over the amount for Zelle and Cash App, which has been bought out by Square, they're still going to report it to the federal government. So there's no way around it. So you might as well use a reputable company to run your credit cards and stop messing with Zelle, too, because Mm -hmm. Zelle will report you after a certain amount. And I forgot the amount because I am not taking Zelle anymore.
They're really you can have a business cash app. You can have yeah. a business sale. But let me tell you how you don't benefit when you do that. You're mm. not able to track and analyze what products and services are doing good and which oh. ones aren't. Right? Because it's just a payment. All you know is you were out somewhere, you sold your product, and you have you have no idea, oh, you just have an amount. Mm. You oh. can't even, you can see, and then people don't always put their real names on Cash App or Zelle, right? They'll have some type of, like, Instagram-type handle. So you don't even remember what who that was. So how can you follow up? You should have 30% of your of your revenue should be repeat customers. Wow. And if you're not utilizing a proper POS system, you have no clue. Oh, How can you reach back out to them? Right? Yeah. We're literally, some our business owners are literally starting from point A every time they open for, open for, for, for sale in the morning mm-hmm. because they're not tracking, analyzing, and capturing customers so they can turn them into repeat customers. These big businesses are not built off of starting all the way over and hunting for a customer every single day. Mm. Got to be repeat business. Absolutely. That's such wisdom. Well, Deborah, who's a, a travel agent owner, our third Saturday host, says God's blessings to you ladies and says teach, teach, teach. Yes, definitely. I know so many people who are supposedly in business, but the reason why they're only accepting cash is they're trying to take money under the table, and they never evolve behind that, beyond that because they're trying to keep from paying taxes, trying to keep from the government knowing what they're doing. They're trying to supplement income that maybe they, they might be uh, maybe they're on one of the government programs, you know, SNAP program or whatever, where you're supposed to have a certain amount of income or not have a certain amount of income, so they don't want to mess that up. So in trying to stay in the poverty range on paper, they do their business underground, but then they can't take advantage of any of the benefits of being in business because they have no paperwork and nothing tracking the cash that they're getting on the side. So I know you've got to go and we've got to take a break, but one last minute. If uh, Cassiopeia, I know you've got to go up here. If you can just address why should people not do that? Why should they go ahead and, and trust their business and do things legitimately? So one thing I'll say is, right, there's some people out here that want to want to hustle. More mm. power to you. Go for it. If you love to hustle every single day and you want to do that for the rest of your life, go for it. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't want to hustle. I don't want to stress. I want to know and I want to set up really great revenue. So, the reason why you should utilize these type of formal payment systems is because they allow for you to actually grow. Yes. You can't grow if you don't know what's happening in your business. If you're guessing every single day and you don't know where your pennies are coming from or your dollars are coming from, how can you go back after them? Absolutely. When we plant the garden, we know exactly how many seeds we put down, we know the rows, we know where we place them, and we know about how much they're going to yield. It's not a guess. It's not a crapshoot. Of I guess I'll eat really good once it's time to harvest. No, I know. Yeah. I know what to expect because I plotted my whole land out. I bought the proper amount of seeds. I planted them, watered them, sunned them, nurtured them, and I got what I was supposed to get when it was harvest time. You have to do the same thing for your business, and you do that by having 
having structure, by having systems, by having proper POS in place, and then also, right, and actually doing your taxes. We're, again, used to that hustle mentality where you want to find a tax accountant that's going to fudge the numbers for you mm. so that you can get the best refund. But guess what? If you want a loan, they need to see that you're actually making money. Yes. So if your tax accountant is fudging the numbers and making it so that you look like you didn't make a lot of money so that you can make enough refund, then you're constantly in a, you're constantly in a mindset of lack. Yes. Yes. And I want a mindset of abundance. So, sure, you're going to get these real numbers so I can actually get them, actually qualify for a loan, and even actually qualify for a really good grant. Yes. If you want the big grants, they need to see that you're making $250,000 a year. Yes. That's how you're going to benefit. And if you have a really great tax accountant, they know how to make it so that you can at least reduce your tax liability. Yes. Yes, but there's, there's still make sure that you're showing a credible business that people are going to want to do business with. So get your structures, get your systems, have POS, check out the Black Mall because our new pivot is now we've gone from making people aware of black-owned businesses to now making people have sustainable black-owned businesses. Yes. So check out the theblackmall.com, come join our lives, come learn how to become sustainable. We got you. Dot is a shining star. She's been doing her thing. The Crafty right. Chick is amazing. You can see it on people all around the country. Wow. And I'm just really, really just um, grateful to be able to have an amazing friend and soror and business colleague that is just doing excellent work. Well, that is fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And we're going to take a break. we got to say goodbye. Bye for now. <laughs> to thank our you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back with Dot. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. And Jana will be joining us live from the U.K. to talk about an issue that we need to think about with these hair care companies. How come we're patronizing hair care companies that are not owned by us? And why don't we own more? We'll talk about that when we come right back. So stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be back in just one moment. And we want you to call in 515-605-9325 and press 1 so that we know you've got something to say. We'll be right back after this brief message. So stay with us.
endanger one of the 4.6 billion people from around the world who are using an electronic device to talk to people. In these times, people are using the Internet to talk to everybody. Friends, neighbors, family members, coworkers. People are on their cell phones and computers all day long. Now, if you're in business, that is great news. That means you can sell your products and services all day long and never have to leave your home. All you need is a media connection, somebody to connect you to an audience. And that's why I'm talking to you today. We produce programs, and our audience members are people who shop. They buy clothes, food, beauty supplies, cleaning supplies, home repair, transportation services, child care services, whatever you're selling, they need to buy it. We're your media connection. Just follow this link, and tomorrow you can sit back and relax at home while your business is making you money. Hi, this is John Alexander. Hi, this is John Alexander. And I'm Naima Latif. Meet people like you who are making a positive difference in the world. Big difference. Watch us every day on The Media Connection at www.youtube.com slash The Media Connection TV. YouTube it. We'll see you soon. There are people who choose to make a positive difference in the world. Our job is to bring you their stories to motivate you to do the same. Join us each week, host John Alexander and Naima Latif, as we bring you the educators, entertainers, elected officials, religious leaders, and community activists whose works are transforming this world. Find out how you can make a difference, too. Be inspired. Watch the media connection. because I got the timing <laughs> wrong because our clocks went back on Saturday, always at the end of September, I mean October, the clocks uh, go back, but years haven't, so I didn't allow for that. Tomorrow, yes, that, that was, that's interesting. Yeah, our clocks go back tomorrow, so yes, oh, we yeah, are okay. still on so daylight time tomorrow? Yes, ours go back tomorrow. I think I think 2 o'clock in the morning we're supposed to set our, our clocks back. Yeah, I mean, that's the same with us, but it was last weekend. So I'm really sorry. I can only apologize. I was actually uh, printing out my show notes when you phoned me, so I can only apologize. But I'm here now, so what have you guys been talking about? What have you been talking about with my guests? Well, you know, we've had some really great insight on how business how businesses need to be legitimate, you know, fill out all the paperwork, you know, mm. track your income, don't try mm. to be under the table and, and just accepting cash so you don't have to 
pay your taxes to the government. It's better to, on paper, be showing that you're making money rather than not making money and just, you know, trying to supplement your income. You're not making money, yeah. And, you know, and you got to promote. You definitely need to have a network of people that you're promoting to. And you have to look at repeat business. You don't want to start every day trying to get new customers. You should be providing mm. a service that brings people back into your door again and again and again. And if, you, if you're not doing that, then you're going to always be on the hustle. You're going to always, you're going to always be uh, struggling because you, you, yeah. you're like doing same thing over again. You've got to start over again as opposed to being able to reach out to those regular customers, which means you need to have yeah. a database. You need to be able to contact your clients and let them know when you got a new sale or a new product or something, a new service, and those same people who trust you to do business with you can come back to you. If you have not developed a means to track your customer base, then you're going to always be struggling to get new customers, yeah. and that's not what business is about. Business is about repeat business. And, and, and lastly, we talked about the need for businesses who've been around for a while to come into the 21st century. The future is mm-hmm. now. If you're afraid of electronic banking, if you're afraid of all of the ways of sending and receiving money, if you're afraid to get set up to receive credit cards, you're going to find yourself behind because we're moving toward a cashless society, and especially mm. if you're overseas. You need to be able to tap into the the global systems of exchanging money and and products. And so if you're not there, then it's time to, if you don't know enough, take some classes. Go online. Go, go to YouTube. Find the, the, the instructions on how to set up your business to be able to function in this economy that is increasingly becoming an online economy just based on the fact that people are doing business not just locally anymore. And the pandemic yeah. did cause that to uh, expedite even further along with people being able to do business without even leaving their homes. So find a way that you can still serve people even if you're not there face-to-face. Mm. So we talked about that for sure, yes. Good stuff. Good stuff. You see, I found I've made the opposite mistake, which is I tried to do everything online, and what you can do online is limited. So now I'm starting to put more emphasis on face-to-face business. I think doing business online is great in terms of your reach, but in terms of actually connecting with people, doing it face-to-face is better. And this is something I've learned the hard way, because I know you're always going to different um uh, book book events and different, you know, you're always out and about meeting people, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You're always out, you know, making contact with people, and I think that's so important. Is Cassiopeia still with us? Uh, she had to leave. She she had a little one that she had to take to a, a, an event uh, today. <laughs> so we had a chance to, to meet her cute little daughter on, on screen. And okay. uh, the other businesswoman... Dot. We're going to see if she she has step with. She'll be back, and and she has an amazing business that she's been working with. And when, you know, one of the things that 
we do want to talk about, and I, I kind of broached a little bit about the hair care situation. Yeah, it's so important that, because you know this is what I realized when I went to uh, the black um, the black culture market. And there's a link in the show notes. When I went to the uh, the black culture market in October, because October is Black History Month, so they were doing a Black History Month <clears throat> market. And there are so many people in our community who are doing black hair care products and black skin care products on the one hand. But on the other hand, there are these massive, massive, great hair supermarkets selling everything you could possibly imagine for black hair and everything you've never even thought of for black hair. And they're not owned by black people. So I'm just wondering, why is that? And what do black businesses need? Because we need to be in that position where we are actually owning our own shops. You know, I mean, it's fine to have an Internet business. I think the Internet is great for doing business. But we also need to be owning our own shops because people are walking in off the street every day to buy black hair care products. Yes, yes. And that is especially like you describe it, black culture products, why are Asians topping us in presenting black culture products when we're the major patronizers of these products? Mm. That is Mm. a question. And Deborah, our third Saturday host, who, of course, is also a businesswoman, has made the comment... Yes, she's got a fantastic travel agency, which of course gets you out of out of your neighborhood and to places where you can maybe travel the world and learn some things. She says we do better when we know better. Businesses fail because we are afraid of doing what is needed to be successful. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And a lot of times, people don't know how to start something, so they just they just don't. And and that and it's yeah, fear, fear, yeah. fear. It's like you said, a lot of people mistake don't travel. A lot of people in the States don't even have, um, don't even own passports. And I remember a friend of mine who lived in London for a few years, but she was originally from the States. And she was saying, um, (coughs) if she hadn't come here, and she traveled to Kenya, there was this big women's conference in Kenya. I think it was about 30 years ago. And she went to that. So she, you know, it's one thing reading things and watching things on TV and watching things on the Internet. It's a different thing entirely to actually be there. Yes. Actually stand there, actually stand on African soil. And she saw what it was like and how, you know, Asian people, people from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, I think they're mainly from India, they have a lot of economic power, so they can just do whatever they want to black people, right, to Kenyans. They can just do whatever they want. And because she actually went there, she actually saw it. Yes. Yes. That's that's another thing we have to also take a look at. Um, Now, years ago, uh, I went to the World Conference of Mayors in Liberia, and I believe it was in... 1994. I was a young businesswoman, hmm. and I was I had a marketing company that marketed construction and home improvement services. And I went to Liberia, and of course was kind of a guest of the Hebrew Israelite community. 
Okay. They had construction businesses, and we were we were working together on some projects. Okay. And one of the things that was talked about was the fact that many immigrants come to America, and they maintain ties with the people back home, the the, the businesses, the the companies that provide products back home. Yeah. So they automatically serve as an outlet here in America, and they've got an instant business. They're shipping products, and and we see a lot of this even in the Korean marketplace and in China yeah. making yeah. products, and we'll be speaking more about that. People are coming here with ties to their homeland that gives them yeah. an instant avenue to open a business that is international, all they have to do is ship the products, and then they set up a storefront, and they've got the shelves stocked full of things, and they're constantly selling. Right. We, right. on the other hand, didn't have or didn't create the kind of relationship with Africans because of how we ended up here in America. Mm-hmm. And that tie was severed, so we didn't have the ties to our families, our blood families. So the That's reason right. and not only that, but we were brainwashed to believe that we're not Africans, right? Because yes. Africans are backwards, right? We are so privileged to live in the West in enslavement. We're, we're much better off because they didn't have God, they didn't have the Bible, and they were savages, right? The people that we left behind when they stuck us on the slave ships. They were savages. So we've been brainwashed for generations to claim that we're not Africans. But how can we be anything else but Africans? Yes. But, you know, there was a time when to call somebody black or African, that was was an insult. It took us so many decades, generations to get over that negative brainwashing and programming. It took us so long. Mm. I mean, we we had a social revolution uh, here in America, in which I mean we had to do everything from change what we did with our hair to you know it's still going on all those tensions we're still dealing with all those tensions yes, yes, so when you look at what that meant, overcoming the self hatred overcoming mm. the historic despising of our hair because it symbolized a slave, and we were told our natural hair was to be shunned, and right. our our beauty standard needed to be straight hair like the Europeans. That's so, still thin an nose and thin lips, and you know, the Europeans are paying a lot of money to get their lips to look like ours, and they're paying yeah. a lot of money to get um, their skin to look like ours. You know, similar kind of color to ours. But we were told we shouldn't. We we should be ashamed of our skin color. We should be ashamed of our hair texture because it's African. We have a lot of people that are there, and so because because we still have that issue, Asian people have capitalized on it in selling mm. hair extensions. Mm-hmm. And you're so women who are prominent with the hair extensions, the purchased hair that they're braiding into their hair or gluing into their mm. hair, this has 
created a business, our our rejection of our natural hair has created an industry for aging people. And they have a multi billion dollar industry. Yes. It is a multi billion dollar industry. We're the consumers. But we're not actually the providers. And I've had people tell me it really upsets them when they go into a black hair care shop and someone who's not black is telling them, well, this is what you need to do and this is how you need to do it. Right? Telling us about our hair. Yes. That that is what's happening. That is what is happening all over the world. Because one of the things that happens is when the, the, the business industry wants to control what we buy, mm. they get popular models and, and entertainers to project the image that they want us mm. to follow. And that's, I mean, that's why they, that's where endorsements come from, you know, product endorsements. You want to, you want to be like this person that you admire who's a a celebrity. So you buy whatever they say they're using. And when you have entertainers that are highly admired, uh, wearing their hair with the extensions and the straight hair styles, that's what little girls are are being shown that they should look like if they want to be worthy of love. So that's what they choose to emulate, and so they go out and purchase hair and go to the hairdresser and have their mm. hair done. Now, you know, there there are a lot of black-owned hair shops that do braids. You know, yeah. you've got Senegalese hair shops, you got Nigerian hair shops. But the, the the fact is they're purchasing the straight hair from the Asians who are selling it to us yeah. because we're conditioned to believe that we would be more beautiful with hair that we purchase. Now, it's just hair. It's just hair. shouldn't be a big deal. shouldn't be this deep thing. But we know it is. Yeah. And yeah. making money from that. So how do we feel about that? Yeah. Yeah, because like I said, people have told me they're upset about it. They don't like it. And when they go to a hair shop and someone who's not an African is telling them how to, when I say African, I mean all all people's African heritage, including the diaspora, right? When they go to a hair shop, which is, which is providing hair care products for black people, and the person selling them the hair is not an African, they find it upsetting and they find it insulting. They want to be so black hair care products. As I said, there's a lot of us out there, but they're not the people who own these massive, great warehouses. So the incident that happened, I don't know if you spoke about this with Cassiopeia. Mm-hmm. You well, you know, that's one about... of the things. Sorry? Yes. Well, you know, that that's one of the things, I guess, to take a look at. If people are importing hair, where do they get it from? Mm-hmm. Where do you store it at? Um, and how do you ensure that it's healthy? I have heard of situations where people have uh, actually 
found out that some of the hair uh, was obtained from cadavers, from... <laughs> oh, my gosh, really? Oh, my goodness. And yeah. then the children being forced to sell their hair, who don't, you know, don't want their heads to be shaved. They want to keep their hair. Mm-hmm. I don't blame them. But, yeah, there's a whole yeah. hair conversation that we could have. But this incident that happened in Peckham, South London, this young woman went to a hair shop to return some hair that she had bought but not used, and the shop owner, who was not an African, um, said, no, my policy is no refunds. And she mm-hmm. lost her temper and started taking things off the shelf, and the shop owner strangled her. I mean, oh you know, she's fine, she's alive, she's fine, but the shop owner tried to strangle her. And um, eventually the police came, and they, uh, they arrested the young woman. Now, did they arrest the shop owner? I have no idea. I've not heard anything. This is just down the road from where I live, by the way. This was in Peckham, which is not far from where I live at all. So, um, yeah, it's upsetting times, you know, these kind of incidents. I think I mentioned to you yesterday, Naeem, I saw an incident happen in a shop in my neighborhood where a man had his hands on a black woman. And there's this whole crowd of people standing there wow. looking. Yeah, all these people standing outside the shop looking. And I happened to be walking past, and I saw this, and the man had his hands on her. And I shouted, he has his hands on her. He has, sorry, he has his hands on her. And, mm. um, yeah, and, um, and I, then I went, look at all these men standing here not saying anything. I don't understand. I don't think men or women actually should be standing there not saying anything. And I said, call the police. And the lady said, I have now. But this is a shop I don't go into because I've seen racist incidents in there before, not where someone got physical, as as in this particular case. But, yeah, I don't like the way they treat their customers. But because they have a certain amount of, of economic power, they can do what they want. You know, that, mm. that, that shop is not a black-owned shop. Now, if it were me... What I would say that we need is um, we need to work together more, which is why I think this idea of the black mall is a wonderful idea because, you yeah. know, yeah. people want to go to Asian shops because they're cheaper. Why is that? Because the Asian shop owners work together, right? Even though they're supposedly in competition, they actually work together, and that's what we should be doing. They club together so they buy things in bulk, and it's cheaper, yeah. That's what we need There's to be doing. Of, of unity that other groups have that we have to reestablish among yeah. us who yeah. are disrupted by the forcible removal of us from our homeland. Because Ethiopians, we've got a we've got a large group of Ethiopian restaurants here in Chicago, and we okay. had an opportunity to observe how they function, like a group of 10 of them uh, that are all, you know, in various spots on the north side of Chicago. And we were doing okay. a documentary about about Ethiopian food and, and, you know, the history of the Ethiopians 
migrating to Chicago and all of that. And we discovered mm-hmm. the same thing, that they buy in bulk. They all get together. They buy in bulk, mm-hmm. so it's cheaper. So the, the ones that are larger, they're actually helping out the ones that are smaller. So instead of mm-hmm. looking at it as competition, like I want to have all the business and okay. I don't want you to have any, everybody helps everybody. And if anybody was having an event, you know, like a, a musician coming to perform or any other special mm-hmm. event, then all of them would buy tickets and all of them would show up, so it would be crowded. So everybody would mm-hmm. always – their their events would be successful because they were supported by everybody else. And it's just such a simple strategy, a success strategy, yes. to be supportive of each other, to work together as opposed to seeing each other as competition. So we've yes. talked to some of the yes. restauranteurs, some, some of the black-owned business, you know, African-American, black-owned businesses, about why don't we do that? Why don't why don't we find ways where where everybody and I don't know I don't even know if there's a restaurant I don't even know if there's a black owned restaurant association or if anybody even tried that. Matter of fact, maybe that's something that I'll get with some of the owners and see if that's something that exists because what mm-hmm. the farmers want to there's a black farmers association they want to be able to work with the restaurant owners to buy right. their produce so. The the way this works is that everybody's got to work together. That means the farmers got to work collectively. We went down there, and 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 one of our previous hosts, Maika, she lives and works among the the farmers out in Pembroke, Illinois, which is a a place out in the south uh, end of the city, or or you know in the state, uh, it's south of the city. And she said they're still struggling with some of those same issues of unity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you know, in a way, I mean, I think it's tragic, but in a way, it's hardly surprising because we've been brainwashed for so long, and that brainwashing was very, very thorough, and it went very, very deep, right? So like, we have all this self hatred, which is deeply ingrained, and it's not surprising really because that brainwashing went very, very deep. Um, I was just going to tell you a story. And I've forgotten what I was going to well, say. Well, that's not, this is a sign uh, of old age. Not a break. <laughs> My memory is going, but it'll come break. back. Yes. So we give so you a chance to, to, to get all. You know, we need to learn to work right, together. We need to unlearn some of these tropes, and that is not yeah. easy to do. It's not. It's very, very difficult to do because this brainwashing is so thorough and so insidious. It's in, basically everywhere we go, everything we see is reminding us that we are inferior. And even though we're not inferior, that stuff goes in deep. I mean, how can we possibly be inferior? How? We invented everything. Black people invented everything. We invented all the arts. We invented all the sciences. Mm. How can so we possibly take a break. be inferior? But this uh, goes very I'll pull up deep. Of, uh, I'm going to pull up on screen a couple of books that might help undo that brainwashing so that we Excellent. can have a stronger, uh, a stronger future where we're no mm. longer teaching children that they are lesser than anyone else. And we'll talk about your your uh, book on success strategies and some of the things that you've observed that people yeah, need sure. to change within themselves in order to change the outcome of what we're producing, so that we are no longer struggling economically because we can build better businesses. So we'll yeah, be definitely. right back after this quick break. Stay with us. The Female Solution. 
Nation Global Radio TV Show invites you to an invigorating conversation with our team of hosts Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Start your week with Monday Morning Mindfulness with Zelda Speaks. Tuesdays, Self-Sell Care with Jody Susan. Wednesdays, Repairing Broken Families with Naima Latif and co-host Kareem Hamid. Thursdays, Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And Fridays, Health and Well-Being with Beata. Saturdays, tune in 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time. First Saturday, Success Strategies with Jana. Second Saturday, Wendy Williams Esquire on Relationships. Third Saturday, Move Around with Deborah. And fourth Saturday, Wisdom with Mama D. Join us Sundays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Time for Soul Purpose Healing with Beata. Call in and comment, 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to the host and be a part of the solution. dreamed of going to exotic places, meeting fascinating people, enjoying uplifting music, and spending nights in a luxurious hotel. Do you look forward to a relaxing vacation where you can walk along the beach or sit in a quiet park and enjoy the sunset or sunrise? Whether you're flying around the world or driving across the country, we will share travel tips that will help you stay safe while you enjoy the journey. Join me every third Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, and move around with Deborah here on the Female Solutions Show. Call in and comment, 515-605-9325, and press 1 to speak.
And we are back. You're listening to and watching the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show. I'm Naima Latif, and we are live with Jana Success Strategies with Jana joining us live from London, UK. And we've got got some callers on the line, and Ooh, I've got up on the screen also one of the companies, Jana, that you encountered at a recent business fair. This is. Book Love, and of course their website oh, is thisislove.com. So I've got their website up on the screen, and it's a beautiful uh, site. And of course they offer a number of books that would be helpful in the process of strengthening our sense of self-esteem. On the website it says Multicultural Bookshop and Traveling Book Carnival, based in Southeast London, okay. traveling everywhere. So, Jana, tell us about what you observed with this, this particular business that you encountered at, at, at a recent fair you went to, and then we'll take our caller at 314-677. Okay, I just remember, I'm sorry, I don't remember when we met, but I just remember thinking, you know, they're promoting black books, they're promoting multicultural books, they're promoting books for children. I like all of that. <laughs> all of that is very positive, and it's a black-owned business. So, yeah, I want, I'm yes. doing everything I can to promote black-owned businesses. That's, this is my commitment that I've made, is promoting black-owned businesses. So, welcome. Welcome to the show. Let me see. Yeah, well, they, they've got uh, um, on, the, on the website, they've got, you can browse by category, by age, by theme, by region. Uh, they got gifts and dolls, and it, the, the, the website is, is Laid out very nicely, and oh, wonderful. going to the the theme here uh, and uh, Afro futurism. Uh, they've got some books. They've got some. Oh, I love this uh, black superhero kind of books. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got. Oh, some wonderful books I have seen. Making Wolf, I've heard, I think I've heard of that one. And hi, I'm Mia, and I've got a super secret all my life. I thought I was ordinary, but I just found out that I am a superhero. This is a wonderful book, Little Black Girl. Uh, They've got one, Showtime at the Apollo, the epic tale of Harlem's legendary theater. Wonderful. uh, The illustrations are, are just beautiful. And if you're listening online and want to take a look at, at what we're showing on screen, of course, you can go to the Female Solution on Facebook or the Female Solution YouTube channel. And these are wonderful books that uh, we're browsing here in the bookshop. And kind of go by age and let's see what kind of uh, – they've got some books for babies and toddlers. Uh, oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to pause for just a moment and talk okay. about this book that I just pulled up. Is that your mama? Now it's a it's a it's a interracial couple, a dark skinned man and you know a white woman, and the child of course is like you know light brown colored in between, and the title of the book is that is that your mama? So I'm, I'm pulling up just a. a a quick view of it, and, you know, it says every family is different, every family is special. 
Now, I think this is a this is a good book for I think families because there are a lot of a lot of interracial families. A lot of children go through an identity crisis if mm. they are the child of an interracial couple, especially if they're living in a community where there is racial discrimination. And Which there is in pretty much every community in the West. And, and the black parent is, is, is questioned or not being treated well, or if it's a predominantly black community, and perhaps the white parent is made to feel like an outsider. So this looks like a book that would really address those issues. I've got it in my family. I've got, I've got you know, both of my sisters, married Caucasian men, and you know, right. all of their children at some point dealt with this racial identity question. So what are your thoughts on that, uh, Jana, in terms of the self-esteem question, what happens if you're not sure how you should identify yourself? Are you black? Are you white? Do you feel like you need to pick a side? You know, what, what do you think about that? And, and do you see a lot of, the, of that happening I know in the U.K. it's very multiracial, multicultural, a lot of different mixtures of people, you know, African, Afro-Asian, Afro-Europe, Afro, you know, Afro-French, I mean, all kind of mixtures that we have. How do people handle that interracial question there? Yeah, well, that's a good question, and people handle it in different ways. Um, there's a lot of mixing of the races here. I wouldn't call it multicultural at all, because multicultural, I think, implies everybody's living together harmoniously and I don't think that's what's happening but there is a lot of mixing and intermarrying of the races some people feel very strongly about it I have very mixed feelings about it because I do think you should love who you love you know it doesn't really matter who you love you know as long as they treat you right you treat them right I think you should love who you love but then I've had so many black men say to me why can't you be like white women so I've got an attitude about that, to be honest. And what, does, what, is that, what does that mean? Why can't you be more like women, white women? What, and in what way? Because white That's, women, the way that they describe it, white women are more accommodating. Black women uh, are too feisty. Mm, and they apparently don't like that. <laughs> but that's how we survived. That's how our race survived 400 years of slavery and oppression, is by the women wow. being feisty. You know, and and fighting for our families and fighting for our communities, and we still do. And you know, we're going to continue doing it as long as we need to do it. So we would like to be appreciated by our brothers a little more. But you know, like I said, I think people should love who they love. But sometimes. Yeah. Um, People make decisions I don't particularly agree with, but then it's not my business. It's their business, right? Um, people navigate the, the multicultural thing in so many different ways, or the inter inter. How should I put it? Being involved with people of different races, and I remember many years ago I had a student who told me that someone looked into her stroller when she's pushing the stroller with her baby in it, and said to her. That can't be your child. She's too pretty. Oh, I. You know what? Can that has that? happened. I've seen. I've. I've had friends where that happened too. Uh, I've. I've. And I've had it the reverse. 
where they look at the baby and the look on their face is, ooh, that's an ugly baby, because the baby was dark-skinned. Oh, <laughs> God, that's appalling. Where do now, you, I know the answer to this question. Where did we learn this self-hatred? <laughs> we know the answer, don't we? Absolutely. But well, I'm going to open the mic for one of our callers uh, right. to address this thing. I mean, cause Hello, Naima. How are you doing? Yes, well, this sounds like the voice of our illustrious friend, Yankee. Yeah, this thing about black people, who we call black in the United States, that's where only shopping with those uh, that look like them, that's what you're basing it on, skin color, a color is now, that's not going to happen. And the reason Mm. is not because they're not the same. They weren't the same where they came from. So they're not the same. And blacks in America are Americans, United States citizens. They are not Africans. So are we going to say that Indians are Asians still? They came across the Bering Straits out of Asia thousands and thousands of years ago. Once you have evolved in another geographical location, you are no longer what you and where you came from. Biologically, you changed. So this is what I was talking about earlier about actually going to Africa and actually standing on African soil. And I'm sure that we can see the similarities in our own culture. There's a lot of things that have not been lost. Some things have been lost, but there are a lot of things that have not been lost. And we are definitely still African, so we're going to have to disagree about well, that. I'm wondering, do we have Samantha Williams on the line? Because I'd love to hear about your book love. This is book love. We have not been able to reach her uh, to get her on yet. We're still trying to. Uh, I've looked at her website. We haven't been able to uh, get her on yet, so we're still trying. And so in okay, the meantime, we're looking well, at website. Let me let me see who's on. Can I finish what I was going to say? Then y'all can go back to talking about your books. I know the lady in London don't like to hear me say that, but it's true. Sorry, you tell one person talking at a time. Thank you for your contribution, brother. Sorry, who's speaking? Yeah, I know I'm an Israelite. I got something special. You got a you got a phone. I'm gonna touch you. I'm gonna have a Israelite. Yeah, you might need to close your mic until they get back to paying attention to their phone. Well, something that Pianchi mm-hmm. said, and you can open his mic again if you want to get this uh, response from him, because he's got a different perspective because he's you know lived in Africa a while and seen how people who are African born do not designate themselves as black or white, but mm-hmm. according to mm-hmm. their, their ethnicity yeah. and their, um, you know, their, their uh, nation, you know, national identity, ethnic identity. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not a black versus white thing. And they, like the Yoruba people, may not see themselves the same as the... Uh, the the, the, the houses or the Eva. The houses, yeah. you know, so... So even when it comes to, and, and I'm, I'm observing that even in America, because I, the, mm-hmm. oh, this past, and Pianchi, we're going to open your mic up again because i got a question for you, so don't go anywhere. Um, this past summer I observed, you know, I was working with the Yoruba community, uh, the Yoruba, the Nigerians that were promoting a particular event, and, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of observed how there's, 
differences in terms of, you know, it's it's not, there's another, there's a Ghanaian community here, a large Ghanaian community here in Chicago as well. And mm-hmm. then, of course, you've got the Ethiopian community. Now, all of this is on the same continent, but these are these are not necessarily communities that are mixing, and the mm-hmm. Ethiopians yes. got a, they've got a different kind of look. Um, the Nigerians have a different kind of look. Uh, the Ghanaians have a different look. You know, now the Ghanaians and the and the Nigerians may all have what you might call Negroid features. Um, the Ethiopians lesser so, but you're talking about people that categorize themselves according to a whole history and culture. Yes, yes. yes and it's absolutely. not just the yes. continent of Africa. It's their history and their culture as a nation of people. Yes, So absolutely. we, that, our African-American that, identity, all, everybody's all smushed together. We don't really have an ethnic identity within the the identity. There's not a sense of we should be united with you politically or or economically, because we're not the same. That's how, and like what he was saying, they don't see the sameness. So yeah, well, that's, this is a problem. This is a real problem that we need to overcome, which is the same thing a lot of black people in this country, in Britain, and a lot of black people in um, the United States as well don't identify as African. It's the same problem. It's just a different side. Of the same problem, yeah. because the, the thing of it is, what you have to think about is why is it that we were so brainwashed to believe that we're not Africans? Because it's act, it's actually in the interest of our oppressors to not let us connect with our ancestral heritage and to not emphasize uh, those ancestral connections. Yes, um, I'm sure people in Africa identify differently from how we identify ourselves. We've been through 400 years of slavery and oppression, and that obviously leaves its mark. Of course it does. But it doesn't mean we're not Africans. It just means we need to relearn and reconnect with our Africanness. That's where I am with it. And it gives us it gives us so much power. When we know who we really are, it gives us so much power and that is why our oppressors don't want us to do it, which is I think really, really important to remember. There's mm. reasons why they don't want us to connect with our ancestral heritage. Uh well our our Monday morning mindfulness host Zelda says uh, on on Facebook she says Grand Rising, beautiful teachers. Americans could learn a few things from African traditions of entrepreneurship. Well, that is mm. definitely. And I was having a conversation with someone this morning about the fact that when other immigrants come to America, they mm. see the financial opportunity. They see that all you got to do this, this is a consumer base, and all you have to do is figure out what to sell these people and. You are free to make as much money as you can sell them products. Everybody yes. understands that. We had yes. conditioning of working for someone and waiting for them to pay us to determine yes. how much we had to live on. And that, okay. that conditioning is even part of our education. So we're yes. Not, yes. not seeing entrepreneurship in our families, and we're not seeing entrepreneurship as something taught in our schools. So we're seeing that when other immigrants come, whether they come from Africa, 
Jamaica, you know, whether they're Nigerian or Ghanaian or Ethiopian or, you know, any other ethnic group that comes in mass to the United States, they immediately come up with a product they can sell, whether it's something that they've cooked or, or clothing that they sell or something that they mm-hmm. know we will buy. Right. And we have not done that because we have been conditioned over over decades, generations to be dependent and and to and to believe that other people control our economic prosperity. So we yes. have to unlearn yes. that. Now we the have thing to that we were talking all about that stuff. But you see, there's other things as well. I don't know. I can't remember if you were on this conversation, but I think it it was a couple of days ago, maybe about a week ago. And I think it was when we were talking about you know that new film that's come out, um, Killers of the Something Moon, and it's about how this particular group of American Indians had their land stolen from them, and you know the whole story that we hear all the time, which is well, my dad certainly used to tell me about this about how the American Indians had been swindled and they'd been lied to and all the rest of it. And it's, you know, clearly true. But this is focusing on one particular group of people who were extremely wealthy. And people were killing them, people were marrying them so that they could kill them and get their hands on the money. I mean, white people were marrying them so that they could get their hands on the money. And, you know, sometimes the Indians didn't believe that that was what was happening, but it was proved that that was what was happening. Somebody's husband would be trying to kill her so he, so he could get his hands on her money. And my sister was on this call, and she was saying that, you know, a lot of white people don't acknowledge the fact that they had certain things like land grants, right? When black people, people of African heritage, were not allowed to um, own land or to purchase land, Europeans, European immigrants were given land grants, and they don't acknowledge that now, that they had that advantage. You get me. Mm. You know, this is yeah. about um what what do they call it? Critical race theory. We're supposed to just forget about everything that happened now, right? We're supposed to just forget about everything that happened, pretend it doesn't have any relevance to today. But we have to look at where we are now and how we got here. We didn't start off being slaves and we did not start off being people who were unwilling to practice entrepreneurship. That way, there's reasons why we're like this now. Mm, you get that is true. There are mm. reasons why we are where we are. Well, yeah. you know, things didn't just happen, but at some point, how do we take responsibility for it? Mm. Now, what I'd like to do yeah. uh, before the break, uh, I'm going to talk about, I, I pulled up on the screen, Farming While Black. This is another book offered on this. Uh, okay. Uh, I site, which has to do with the whole farming business, I'm sure okay. that because we have come out of plantations that we don't want to identify with farming because we see that as, the, you know, the poverty, the enslavement, and yet all wealth starts with the land. So that's another okay. brainwash we have. Okay. But that's before we get to that, I just want to, briefly before we go to break, uh, because we brought up this question about the black hair care industry being something that was fueled by the fact that we've been we've injected a self-hatred and a lot of it is the belief that uh 
you know, straight hair is better, white women are better, and, and you still got a lot of underlying uh, issues with that. So I'm going to open a mic of a man. Cool. And an opinion. Now, you mean, I'm going to say this. Now, it would be very helpful if you would put on your show with Vaynervon that you don't want certain commentary, and I won't call back in. Because it don't make <laughs> so, sense to be putting somebody on hold. And, Dana, <laughs> you can teach that to your kids, but don't teach it to mine and others who don't want to hear it. That's don't just what, what it what is. What are you talking about? Don't teach what, P.O.? So what things what, what thing should she not teach? Like you said, you made, mention, you made mention about land grants. You had blacks in this country that received 58 of the land for every settler that they sponsored to the country. And they had that's to right. work that for a period of time. That was, that, that's, that's what we were planning. Yeah, right. well, where did you get this idea you talk over people? Yeah, well, because I'm disagreeing with you. We got a show that's going to come on called later on today, Black by Color On. Uh-huh. Come on, call in on there, and then we mm-hmm. can have a further discussion. <laughs> but it's just <laughs> not true. I can't go. My wife I is Ghanaian. and she says all the time that black Americans are not African. I think she would know. And you can just like Jerry Rollins. Jerry Rollins' father was Irish. I'm sorry, Scottish. His mother was Ghanaian. He could not right. become a Ashanti Henny because he was mixed. I mean, that's just the way that society runs. And they got a right to run a society like that. And one other thing, real quick. I am not supporting no business that politically give contributions to the likes of a Maxine Waters and a Danny Davis. It goes against my interest. Look what his position why, why is on they open borders. And they, they, so are open borders a bad thing, people being able to come into the – other people coming in doesn't take anything away from people who are here. People have a right to, a to where no, they want to be. To it. It we have to it. a law. You come in the right way. I, I can't go that. walking up into Nigeria just walk across the borders. You can't walk into China, just walk across the borders. You guys have a pleasant day. Well, all right. Well, thank you, Pianki, and we always welcome your calls. <laughs> but we're going to take a quick break and come right back. And if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325. And press 1 so we know that you've got something to say. Okay, now you want and, to please take a look at the time because I'm not sure I've set this up right, and we might find ourselves off the air. Well, 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 I, I did, uh, actually, when you set the time, this, this whole time thing is interesting. When you set the time, it actually had it uh, starting at 6 o'clock our time, so I had to readjust it so that it started at 12. Because, you know, the thing is, you all clocks went back and ours didn't, but then our, our uh, blog talk system is set for central time, uh, which is okay. Chicago time. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> yes. So, but the time is always now. <laughs> so we're going to come right back. We're going to come right back uh, after the break. And I have this book, Farming While Black, and we'll look at how our history as forced farmers is perhaps making us have an aversion to farming as a business. You know, why aren't we more into agribusiness? When I went to college, all kinds of African students were, I was at the University of Nebraska, 
and that there was a large African uh, student population that was into agriculture. Absolutely mm-hmm. no African Americans, no blacks born in America were taking agriculture because nobody wanted to do farming. So we'll yeah, talk about that when we come back. And uh, why, why is that? It's, it doesn't appear that um, attractive to us. But yeah, let's talk about that more after the break. All right. Well, we're you're listening to and watching the Female Solution Global Radio TV show. I'm Naima Latif, and our host today is Jana, joining us live from London with Success Strategies. And today we're talking about promoting black businesses and helping them take advantage of this holiday shopping season. We'll be right back after this quick break, so stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be back in a moment. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Naima Latif, and if you're watching this, that means you're one of the 4.6 billion people from around the world who are using an electronic device to talk to people. In these times, people are using the Internet to talk to everybody. Friends, neighbors, family members, coworkers. People are on their cell phones and computers all day long. Now, if you're in business, that is great news. That means you can sell your products and services all day long and never have to leave your home. All you need is a media connection, somebody to connect you to audience. And that's why I'm talking to you today. We produce programs. Our audience members are people who shop. They buy clothes, food, beauty supplies, cleaning supplies, home repair, transportation services, child care services, whatever you're selling, they need to buy it. We're your media connection. Just follow this link, and tomorrow you can sit back and relax at home while your business is making you money. Divided into 
national, uh, tribal, um, ethnic communities, and mm-hmm. they are not the same as those who were descended from people who were forcibly shipped away. They don't identify themselves as as uh, part of the so-called African-American community because Yeah, I they, think it's one of the biggest problems that we have, that kind of mentality. This is one of the things that stop us uniting. Yeah, I, I, I've seen what happens. The, the, disunity is what keeps us from flourishing economically because everybody who has flourished economically has set up a system of cooperation, just like our, our earlier guest, Cassiopeia, Cassiopeia created the theblackmall.com, where so many mm. businesses were trying to struggle to reach the marketplace, but they really needed to be in a mall, just like when you go to a shopping mall. They need to be on an online mall where you can go and you can have one place where you find out many different businesses and you can order products and they're collectively marketing. They're, they're working together with the marketing and promotions. Uh, they're cooperating in terms of sending out um, notices to a, a, a collective customer base. The way that you succeed is to form a coalition. Yeah. Our challenge is deciding who we should be coalescing with. Are we doing it yeah. by skin color? Are we doing it by neighborhood? Are we doing it by language group? Are we doing it by the country we're from? Because obviously if we say we're doing it by skin color, not everybody from the African continent says, well, you're my people. And that's what Pianchi was basically saying. Just because you're my color doesn't mean you're my kind. So don't right. act like yeah. I should be treating you like you're somebody I should be working with because I don't know you. You're not part of my history. You just got dark skin. That doesn't mean us. That, that doesn't make us family. So that's, that's kind of what he was saying, that there are many people who are on the continent of Africa and even who are on other continents, you know, on uh, South America, the islands, even Europeans. You know, I'm sure you've met some people there in London. They don't necessarily identify with being black. They identify with being British, you know, because that's, that's their nationality. You've got yeah, people who are French. I mean, they're black. I mean, they're not, not black. They're French in their minds. So not not everybody sees themselves as part of a black community. Yeah, and I I think that is one of the biggest problems that we have, really, is that lack of unity. And to me, it's not about skin color. It's something that goes far, far deeper than skin color. It's about culture. And we have so many things in common. That's why um, Dr. Oh, gosh, what's his name now who first came up with Kwanzaa? Uh, Dr. Malana Karinga. Karinga, yes, Dr. Karinga traveled all over Africa, and he found certain traditions that were common to many, many different peoples in Africa, you know, because they all originated from Africa. So, and we still have some of those characteristics. So um, we need to remember that and connect with that, and that's our strength, I think, and that's what helps us to connect with each other. If you look at people from the Pacific Islands, like, for example, from Fiji. Have you ever seen photographs of people from Fiji? Yes. They look exactly like us. 
Their hair looks exactly like ours. Their skin looks exactly like ours. They may have a different culture, but they originated in the same place the rest of us did. And you can yes. tell that visually just by looking at them. So I just think, you know, we don't need to come up with reasons and ways to disunite. We need to be coming up reason, with reasons and ways to unite. That's where our strength lies. And there are reasons why we have been discouraged from doing that. The reason why we were told, you know, you're not African. You're not African. Africans are savages. There's mm. reasons why we were told that because our unity is our strength. Absolutely, absolutely. So our question is how do we define ourselves and the group we should be working with and cooperating with and forming alliances with so that we can strengthen our economy? And, you know, once again, I'm going to bring up this book, Farming While Black, and we've got a couple of comments on our YouTube uh, followers, our, our uh, some of our YouTube and Facebook followers are commenting. I mean, this book, Farming While Black, and it says, some of our most cherished sustainable farming practices have roots in African wisdom, yet discrimination and violence against African-American families has led to their decline from 14% of all growers in 1920s to less than 2% uh, today. And if all the wealth of a nation ultimately starts with the land, then if we're not looking at farming as a business that we should consider, we're going to miss out on empowering ourselves to grow our own food and participate in the marketplace of food growers, which is at the very foundation of every society. So, uh, and in this book, Farming by Farming While Black is written by Leah uh, Peniman, and it's on the thisisbooklove.com website uh, coming out of out of the UK. A black business owner, a uh, book okay. store That's that right. can I find that give us very interesting. So, but if you, you remember, know, you remember the, the Move people, the Move movement from Philadelphia, I think it was? Yes. And the fact that they got bombed out of their home, their property, they were into growing their own food. It was a big part of what yes. they were doing. And for some reason, the government or some elements of the government found that a major threat and destroyed the community. You know, they, and I remember that because I wrote a poem about it. I can't remember the words now, but I, I okay. But um, I know you wrote poetry. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a poet. <laughs> nice. No, well, you need to say that with a bit more pride, darling. I am a yes, poet. I'm a poet. <laughs> I am a poet. Yes, yeah. I, 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 because I was, I was so, I was so hurt by that. Uh, mm. Maybe before the end, the words will come back to me, but. I was so hurt by that action because it was a it was a black mayor of Philly at the time when the when the uh order was mm-hmm. given to bomb their their home because they had a very very natural earthy way of living and okay. they didn't believe in killing mm-hmm. anything so they had animals you know and they and they had you know m- manure that they allowed to be on their premises and Right. Uh, 
wore their hair in natural locks, you know, and at that time, you know, uh, dreadlocks were not as popular and common as they are now, so that was that That's was a right. hairstyle that people. Like, oh, you don't comb your hair, you know, so even that was something people were afraid of. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and they they believed in, you know, living naturally, living ecolo- eco- ecologically in harmony yeah. with the environment. Yeah. And it scared people. People say, oh, they smell bad, you know, all of those things. You know, they're attracting rats. So this was this was uh, this was a community that many did not understand, mm. and because the image had been given that they and there's some you know crazy kind of uh, wild people, and we can't make them straighten up. We just have to get rid of them. And so next thing mm. you know, they were bumped. And it was a horrible yeah. thing to have happened. Really horrible what happened to them. And they just wanted to live naturally and grow their own food. So right. as I said before, I think we have to look at the reasons why people are oppressed in particular ways sometimes because it's actually it's, it's um, considered to be a threat by Absolutely. the majority population. That's why they're so Absolutely. afraid of it. Yes, and, you know, and so our, our that, that's what's happening. You know that you're doing something right. Yes, if, yes, you know, if the majority population is trying to stop you from doing what you're doing, then you know you're doing something right. Absolutely, and and you know the people of Move, they were really teaching us some things about being yes. aware of how we're affecting the ecology, how we're affecting the soil, how we're affecting the air, and how we can yeah. live in harmony and now. Nowadays, all that is very trendy, talking about all that stuff, you know, the climate emergency, all that kind of stuff is very trendy now, but they were ahead of their time. They were ahead of their time. And our, and our host Zelda says, farming may not be our choice of careers, but it will make a difference in the long run. You can't eat dirt alone. Fast food kills just a matter of time. And mm. that is mm. the truth. Fast food will slowly kill you. That's and right. The, the people of Move, like you say, uh, when we look at what happened to them, that tends to frighten people from doing things that they will look exactly. at them. And exactly. But we got to somehow get ourselves out of that fear mode and thinking if we step forward and excel in something, that it will be destroyed. We have to stop believing that because that's what yeah, stops us from selling, even yeah, though it has happened the past we have to yes. believe yes. That we're not going to endure that in the future so that we're not uh we're not stifling our own growth um, yeah i mean it's understandable this, why we think that but we can think something different now we can, we can think create something, something different now and that's and that's really what we have to do is create mm. something different because if every other ethnic group is excelling when they come to America, because America is a place where a lot of money is exchanged in business, and there's a point where people stop listening to, oh, well, we've been oppressed, we were enslaved for 300 years, and more people start saying, well, get over it, because right now you've had a black president, you've got black mayors, you've got you know, black governors, you've got you got people, you know, black attorney generals. You have all of these people. you got a black Supreme Court justice. You have all these people who have gone through 
the and the, who are, are are descendants of people who went through the slave experience. They've they've gotten themselves educated. They've excelled in business. I mean, people point to Oprah and Tyler Perry all day long and say, "Look, they got they got multi million dollar, you know, got billionaires." You know, hey, if they made it, why can't you? Why are you still holding yeah. on to that? Can't you? Yeah, that's what they call critical race theory, isn't it? Because the fact is that it's not equal. Although there are people who'd like to pretend that it's equal, that we have the equality of of opportunity, the fact is that we don't. So it doesn't matter how many people try and tell me, stop talking about it. I'm not going to stop talking about it because I want to understand the roots of how we got to where we are now. It didn't just happen, you know? Black people are not naturally backwards, and we're not naturally stupid. And as, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's some of what that um, mentality is trying to say. Oh, you didn't make it because you're stupid. You didn't make it because you're backwards. Not you didn't make it because you weren't given a land grant like the Europeans were. You know, we didn't have <laughs> equality of opportunity. We still don't. Yeah, you know, and I think there there are multifacets to. This is a multifaceted effort that has to happen. First of all, you do Mm. have to have people who work toward changing laws and policies. And we've got people who do that. We've got the activists and you've got the people who run for office and you've got the people who who take the time to painstakingly uh, change Mm. policies and use laws. So we have that, that part covered. And, you know, we have the activists that agitate, you know, the laws to be changed. And, And you need that. That's possible, too. But the part that we tend to not be as strong in is the entrepreneurial part of our That's society, true. business community. That's true, and it's an important that, part. It's, a, it's an important, important part of the whole part structure. That can these things. You need more Sorry? people in business to generate and circulate wealth and, and financial resources, which means they have to create products mm-hmm. and services that people buy. That's mm-hmm. that's a large part of our liberation movement that's missing because yeah, of I agree. fear I agree. and lack of information on how to do it. One of the things we were saying earlier is that people will halfway go into business. I mean, there are laws right. and regulations right. that, that what you do when you are an official business, you know, you have to file paperwork so that you can you you can operate as a business entity and be responsible for your products or services that people are paying you for. Take responsibility in whatever way the law says you have to do. If you have to have certain kinds of insurance because of the kind of business you're in, you know, if you have to have a certain license because of the kind of business you're in, and you have to document document your income. And if you're paying right. people, you have to document the people that you're paying. A lot of right. people are hesitating to do the official things that you need to do to be in business. They want to pay their employees in cash so there's no record so that they don't have to file, you know, the, the W-2 forms, they don't have to file the, 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 the income tax. You know, they want to not be officially incorporated or get a business license so they can just kind of get paid under the table. So if they're getting uh, any kind of, of public assistance, then that doesn't get cut off because they're making money. And you know what they do. They, if, you, they, if you get public assistance and they find that you're making money, then they cut your public assistance and you can't survive. So we get stuck on fear of not being able to survive, so we don't do the things 
required to legitimately be in business. And yeah, so we can't take yeah. of the the perks that come with being in business. Because there's a lot of perks that, that you get when you have a business. So many things that you do can be business deductions, tax deductions, tax write-offs. But if you're not willing to do the things that make it possible to claim being a business owner, then, like Cassiopeia said it earlier, you're operating from a mindset of lack. I don't yeah, have enough. Yeah, I don't have enough yeah. money to, to file taxes, so, you know, I'm not going to get set up where I can take credit card payments because those could be tracked, and then the government would be asking me for my tax statements because it's on record with the bank that I received money. And people being afraid of that. And if we're stuck on fear, we can't grow. And a lot of a lot of immigrants will come here and do something as simple as selling ice cream, but yet they got all kind of privileges as business owners, and we don't have those because they got a business license and they can set up a shop somewhere, and we don't have a license, so we can't. So we have to. Well, yeah, but I mean, we have to remember as well. Um, name of the history, there's reasons why we have that fear, right? And the history is that we were not given the same opportunities. You know, people who would come from Europe, they're fresh off the boat, but they were told this is what you can do, this is how you can make some money, this is how you can set up a business. And, you know, banks for a long time wouldn't even lend to black-owned businesses. I mean, I think that's changing now. But that history it still has an effect on us and our mentality. This is something that we need to overcome in order to start really um, Well, you know, something that you just mentioned, and I'm going to open a mic. Uh, we've got some callers on the line. But something you just mentioned about when people come here, somebody shows them the ropes. Somebody shows them how to do things. That's what's often missing with us. Successful business owners are not reaching back to help somebody else because they're afraid of competition. And so crabs in a barrel thing, you know, I don't, I, I, you know, I'm not going to help you because you might surpass me instead of knowing that we can't build a business community where there are enough people employed so that instead of stealing, people can, can legitimately earn a living so we don't have this high crime, but you've got to have somebody who will reach back and help you. So let me open the, open the mic, uh, uh, area code 312632, Grand Rising, you're uh, you're on with Admiral us. Nelson Bay. Yes, yes Admiral uh, Susanna. I uh, style myself as Admiral Nelson Bay. <laughs> I was born agency of Nelson, and um, of course, um, my whole um, attitude is that of George Washington, who was a farmer by profession. You see, I'm really the founding father of a um, parallel quantum financial system, mm-hmm. which okay. is going to be firmly in place backed by gold and digitized okay. dollar gold parity credited on to um, bankgreenwood.com, which is Greenwood Bank of Atlanta, co-founded by former Atlanta Mayor Andrew Young, a man whom I know, like, and trust personally. You know, it matters who you do banking with, and we have to set up a parallel economic system in all departments of life so that, as the um, Federal Reserve note, which is a uh, piece of paper currency with no intrinsic value, becomes 
utterly worthless. And gold and silver coinage is constitutional legal tender for all um, debts, public and private. And so for the past many years, I have carefully and very um, comprehensively looked at the best possibility. The gold is to be sourced from the global debt facility, which is accessible by way of United Nations Office of International Treasury Control, which is headquartered in Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, His Excellency Dr. Racy Dam is a controller of unoitc.org, which you might want to do some research into. has more gold bullion than any other um, institution, including uh, Federal Reserve System, uh, the U.S. Federal Reserve System and the uh, U.S. Mint um, uh, combined, if I'm not mistaken. And so it takes a wise man who oh, – my father, by the way, Andrew D. Nelson, U.S. Army troubleshooter. That is the title of an Ebony Magazine article featuring my father, Andrew mm. Douglas Nelson. And uh, he was a certified public accountant, and he served – he um, saved the government millions of dollars as it relates to military uh, procurement. And so that's all up into my um, my bloodline as to my true identity. You see, okay. uh, the child is the secret essence of the sire, and my mm. father, Andrew Douglas Nelson, is the sire of me, Andrew Clarence Merrill Nelson, And um, I see myself as a uh, vice presidential candidate serving alongside um, Dr. Shiva, who is from India. So you're in both finance and politics as well. Well, you know. As Mr. Farrakhan points out, um, politics without economics is symbol without substance. Absolutely. I agree to that for sure, and and that's kind of what we've got in many of our cities. We have a lot of political leaders, but we don't have a strong business community to even finance their campaigns or uh, support our own interests. So that's the challenge that we have is to create more businesses that can finance and support our political interests. We're almost ready to go. I'm going to see if I can open one more mic, 872-731, Grand Rising. Introduce yourself, and you've got about a minute before we go. Go right ahead. We're talking about business. Grand Rising, this is Rashida Ali. Assalamu alaikum. Um, I'm I'm calling because I was very um, motivated by listening to Brother Andrew Nelson with his um, um, background, and so... I'm motivated to still work with the homeless for any group that has professional fundraising bonding with the state of Illinois to develop housing. And I also develop a program for our youth to um, work. And for every $100, um, the United States Reserve money will be given in gold coins to that student. So well, that I'm saying really I'll say if anybody's qualified and uh, registered with the state to do professional fundraising, I would like uh, to join their team 
And this is what I'm doing as a founder of Grassroots Organization Incorporated to create housing right. for Arshita, we're gonna the homeless call you, in uh, America. We've got to go, call you after the show because we got a, a special show coming up this Wednesday on housing. We want, to, want you to be a part of this. I'm going to call you after the show. So stay close. I so will can be, you say give, how people can get in touch with you, please, Rashida? Uh, uh, and and uh, sure, give us your website real quick, uh, Rashida. It's um, Grassroots Professional Fundraising, Grassroots Organization Inc. Professional Fundraising, Google, and it's www.grassrootsorganization.wordpress.com. All right. Thank you so much. All right. I'll see you again next month for right. the Success Strategy Show with Jana. See you then. Have a wonderful month. Take care now. Bye. Bye for now. Female-Solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash thefemalesolution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows, listen to our radio shows, order our books, and be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Arigato, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, John Kujon, France, Merci. Spain, gracias, Italy, grazie, Egypt, shukran, Ghana, medasi, Nigeria, eshe, South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Jared, Kenya, asante, Israel, toda, Pakistan, shukriya, Afghanistan, Tashakur, Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you, and may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessings.